0: hi welcome to digging the only podcast focused solely on infrastructure in the heavy civil construction industry i'm your host taylor mauer senior managing partner at hcrc heavy civil resource consultants in this podcast we explore challenges faced in the industry investigate the effects of politics the economy trends including stories of success and stories of failure it is our goal to provide interesting and informative discussions to help educate heavy civil construction professionals be more successful and to cultivate the industry as a whole. So let's dig in. All right, we have Darren Olson, who is a vice president at Christopher Burke and is also the co-chair for the 2021 American Society of Civil Engineers Infrastructure Report Card. How are you doing today,
1: Darren? Great. Thank you very much for having me.
0: All right. We really appreciate you being part of this project. Um, Darren, I'd love to to get just a a brief understanding about how you got into construction, construction engineering, and how you got involved in the uh, ASCE. Um, how, how did you get into construction? Was that something that uh, was, was kind of part of your family, or
1: um, how, how did you get into it? You know, it, it's kind of a funny story. We, um, so I'm, I'm mainly in the, in the water side of things, and um, as a, a senior in high school, my, my mom took me on a rafting trip down the Grand Canyon, and right around that time, I was looking to get into, of course, a college, and you know, somebody directed me towards engineering, and I didn't really know exactly what that was. But, but after this trip down the Grand Canyon, I said, you know, I, I really, I loved the water and the whole water aspect of things and the dams and, and everything. And um, somebody said, well, you, you should go into water resources engineering, and I, you know, started at the University of Illinois uh, that next year, and, and the rest is is really history. And, and shortly after starting at the University of Illinois, I became involved in the American Society of Civil Engineers, which was really the you know the organization that many of the civil engineering students uh, got involved in, and um, you know used it as kind of a um, you know both a social and uh, educational kind of organization. And, and, uh, you know, the rest is really history.
0: That is fascinating. Uh, And what a cool mom to take you on a rafting (laughs) trip down the Grand Canyon. I I don't think there are probably too many people that can say that their mom took them down a, a rafting trip down the Grand Canyon when they were in high school. I certainly can't.
1: She uh, she reminds me of that every time I see her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: was that uh, was that a trip that stayed? How cool she is, or 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 about yes. <laughs> that trip in particular?
1: Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it does sound like it was uh, an, an amazing trip, and that's a really interesting way to find out about water resources and and get into it. What was your first exposure to the ASCE?
1: So I, I was, like I said, I was involved as a student, um, and then really when I started working here in the Chicagoland area, uh, right after graduating, you know, it was one of these things that it was a familiar organization that I knew um, could transition me from, from my student activities into professional life. Uh, and so I gravitated back to the American Society of Civil Engineers and our local uh, section here, and uh, just started getting involved and um, really have been involved with them for the last 22 years as a you know, professional working engineer, have, have been involved with the American Society of Civil Engineers uh, really the whole way.
0: And speaking of um, what you do professionally, can you tell us a little bit about that? I know you're involved in water resources. I know you're on the engineering side of things, but what, what does that actually look like?
1: So What I primarily do is um, involves around stormwater management uh, and urban flooding um, and you know, how we help our communities. Uh, for me, it's up here in the Chicagoland area, how we help these communities um, deal with their, their stormwater and, and urban flooding problems and, and plan for um, you know, capital improvement projects that will allow them to handle not only the rainfall that we're seeing now, which uh, can be fairly extreme, but, but also the rainfall that we're expected to see, you know, 20, 30, 50 years down the road with uh, climate change that is expected to be even worse than what we're seeing now.
0: Interesting. Um, and how do you become a co-chair on the infrastructure report card? Is that <laughs> something that you're voted into, nominated for? What does that look like?
1: <laughs> Uh, I think it was nominated. Um, so I have been, you know, through my involvement with ASCE, um, have been active, really in infrastructure um, and you know infrastructure funding um, and our, you know locally how our, our infrastructure is rated. Um, we do report cards in um, in many of the states uh, and also here in Illinois. Um, but I've just really gravitated towards. Towards infrastructure and, and just the importance of investing in it, and, and so through my dealings with, with ASCE, have just you know met people that uh, that are on these committees and and their staff there, which is fantastic, and um, you know kind of just gravitated towards uh, being nominated to this role.
0: Now the infrastructure report card covers quite a vast amount of information is is this something that's as soon as the old report card gets published that you the team starts working on uh a team starts working on putting the next report card together or or what does the time frame look like for actually generating the report card
1: it it almost seems like that because because so much work does go into it um we, we don't we do it every four years um and so we've um it was the very first one was done in um 1988. It, it actually wasn't done by uh, ASCE. It was done um, by the National Council on Public Works, um, but we've been doing it uh, since 1988, um, and we do them every four years. So so generally, it's about a two-year process, um, and then we publish a report card, and then you, you really spend a, a year or two doing what we're doing right now, which is talking about it, uh, and then You know then you start up again with a cycle of of about a a year uh, or two of preparing the next one
0: okay and can you give us a general overview about the most recent report card uh that just just came out it came out what was that three months ago i i suppose around um what february march of this past year
1: yep it was early march um and you we've we've done this report card um, using the, the, the grading system, obviously of, of A to F. And, and we do that so that it's very digestible by um, our elected officials and the general public. Um, and so th- this year, uh, unfortunately, as has been in all the years in the past, our, our report card is one that none of us would wanna bring home to our parents. Um, it's we got a C minus uh, this year for the nation's infrastructure. So, you know, th- there are some positives. Um, it is the first time um, since we've been doing the grades that um, it is in the uh, we, we've we've gone up to the into the C range. Uh, but there are still of the 17 categories of infrastructure, there are still 11 of them that are in the D range.
0: And uh, obviously, this is. Really important stuff. Um, we can't have our infrastructure fail as we continue to to re- rely and depend on it, and actually put more stress on it. You mentioned climate change uh, adding stress to infrastructure, existing infrastructure, but uh, increased use um, has as well. It um, ha- is. Are those things taken into, uh, into consideration when, um, when putting, putting the report card together?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We, we actually look at um, uh, nine different uh, grading criteria, I'll, I'll call them. Um, so we look at things like capacity, uh, what's the condition of that infrastructure? What, what's the f- what are the funding sources? Uh, what's the future need, operation and maintenance, resilience, innovation, public safety? So we, we look at all these different factors when we uh, develop the grades for each of these 17 infrastructure categories.
0: Okay. Um, so we did improve. We came up from the previous score was what, a D?
1: A it was, D plus? It was a, D, a D plus in in. 2017, and we, we just got up above that D threshold to a, a C- this year.
0: So, it was the least improvement that we could have made over the past four <laughs> years. Is that, that, is that, that accurate?
1: It, that is correct. In, in college terms, we, we squeaked one out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um,
0: it was where I, I know that the categories that are covered are aviation, bridges, dams, drinking water, energy, inland waterways, levees, ports, rail, roads, stormwater, transit, and wastewater. Were there any that there were at like really big gains in that um, maybe weren't expected or there was just a lot of uh, funding or a lot of attention given to any of those in particular or did all of them just improve marginally?
1: Um, actually there were several that did improve um, and some of them that many of them that, that actually did not um, a couple that did improve um, our ports grade improved um, that is that's currently a, a b minus um, and that's uh, along with our rail grade are the two that are in the um, in the b range um, you know the ports have had a lot of investments these past four years and you know some of that is, is driven um, uh, on the private side um, by the amount of you know, shipping that is currently going on. Um, you, know, you think of all these Amazon boxes that are um, coming into everyone's homes, it seems like on a daily basis. Well, all of that uh, has got to originate really at our ports. Um, sure. And all, so all those goods are coming in. Um, and so we've made a lot of investments um, in our ports to try to keep up with the amount of shipping that is going on to, that, that feeds this, um, uh, internet type economy that we're living in right now. The, the e-commerce. Yes. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. As, as you said, uh,
0: most of those purchases are imported and so they, they do originate at, at a port, um, yeah. for, for the most part. Um, how did, how did COVID affect infrastructure on a micro level. I did hear that there was a push to get work done at airports while there was very limited air travel. Um, But it sounded like those were already funded projects. um, And maybe it just sped up the completion of the projects. But what other what effect did COVID have on on infrastructure and, and and the report card?
1: Yeah, and I think that the uh, you, you did hit on, I, I guess, one small highlight is, is that there were some, some projects that uh, maybe were able to get done a little bit quicker, uh, like at airports or maybe on, on roadways because of uh, lack of use. I think that's really the, the rarity rather than, than the norm because, as you had hinted at, you know, so many of these projects have long term funding cycles. Uh, so that so there is not wasn't the ability just to take a bunch of projects and start doing them right away once once we realized that you know COVID would keep some of the the traffic down on the roadways uh, but I I think what overall what COVID did was uh, more of a negative to infrastructure because what ended up happening in a lot of cases of municipalities and states was that the funding that would have gone to infrastructure uh, there was, there was a, such a, a funding crunch in these uh, local and state governments to try to handle the healthcare crisis with COVID that um, much of this general revenue type funding uh, got diverted away from infrastructure and uh, into trying to battle the immediate needs of uh, COVID from a healthcare perspective.
0: Um, I, I, I had not considered that uh, funding was redirected, uh, but uh, that makes complete sense to me that, that it would have been um, in in the situation that we found ourselves in. Did um, were you keeping track of the the, the spending and funding during the, the Great Recession um, and how how that compared to, uh, to what we saw as a, a shrinkage in our economy um, due to COVID?
1: Well, I think, and I've, I've heard that there, there was a similar sort of situation where um, you know, states that were strapped for cash back then and in, in, you know, in 2008, 2009 cut infrastructure spending, because right? that's the one thing when you've got to keep your state up and running um, one of the things you could do is to divert funding from infrastructure, which people think can be, you know, that, that maintenance or that your know, capital expenditure can be delayed. Um, they, they think it can with um, in reality, that, that has real monetary consequences. Um, but they take that, you know, that money that they would have spent on infrastructure um, and they divert it into the immediate need, which is to, you know, whether it's keeping the, the healthcare system, um, float during a pandemic or in your 2008-2009 you know providing funding to you know keep the economy going.
0: Um, Something else that happened during COVID is uh, there was a lot less commuting and a lot less uh, travel for leisure over the past year uh, which I know affected decreased gas tax revenues where uh, a a large portion of that is often directed at uh, funding for infrastructure projects as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you think of all the the decreased usage, whether it's airports with their passenger fees or on the, you know, on the rail lines, our our transit system um, really suffered because of lack of ridership and you, know, you can imagine uh, here in Chicago, we've got our L system. And for almost a year straight, I saw the L's uh, trains continue to run with nobody on them.
0: Empty. Absolutely empty. empty.
1: Absolutely empty. And you know, they, they have to keep running to keep those people, those essential workers that, that need that public transit system to get to their essential uh, jobs. We had to keep them running, but they were essentially running with uh, – you know, zero passenger fees coming in.
0: And so that that, that resulted in a, a, essentially a, a deficit for for them, which needs to be made up somehow, probably from other sources of funding.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a classic example of, you know, in order to prevent you know, this infrastructure, so in order to prevent our light rail systems, our mass transit systems, from getting further behind in, in where they are. I mean, they're, they're right now are our lowest grade um in in all of the grades they were the lowest one um at a uh d minus um in in order to keep them from getting even worse uh we've got to step up um and you know pump in some funding to them to to uh you know to, to keep prevent them from backsliding sure
0: Interesting. Um, Now I know that water resources is your specialty, and I'm I'm sure you focused a lot of of your expertise and research in that sector. Can you do a quick deep dive into the water resource uh, sector of the uh, report card?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So the the first one um, that I'll hit on is the uh, you know it's it's really divided into three sections of water. You know, the we have our drinking water, we have our wastewater. Uh, and then for the first time this year, we graded stormwater, um, uh, which is what was the one new uh, category uh, that we added this year. Okay.
0: And uh, stormwater, is say, you said, is what, what really you specialize in, correct? Yep.
1: Yep. That's that's correct. That's correct. Um,
0: and, and so we didn't really, I guess there was not a grade uh, with the previous report card for stormwater. So this is the first this is the first time it's been kind of benchmarked?
1: Yep, you know, that's right. And you know what we realized was that with things like climate change and increased uh, rainfall intensities that we're seeing, uh, it was time to really bring this almost, it's like the third child of, of water that doesn't really get, get much attention, but it was time to bring this out and, and provide a grade for stormwater uh, so that everyone's aware of, of what our stormwater infrastructure is, uh, what it's, what the needs are for it and what can go wrong when it's not properly invested in.
0: What, uh, would you say that there were any recent climate events that led to, um, like a, a, a flooding due to poor stormwater management or, or infrastructure, something that, you know, people can relate to and say, oh, yeah, you know, I heard about that. I remember that. I mean, uh, obviously I remember Katrina and the, and the flooding there, but that was also levees, but that part of levees is stormwater management, right? Because uh, some of the stormwater is directed to the, into, those, uh, into those reservoirs. So uh, w- what other recent events uh, can you think of where it, it was, Stormwater was a, a big player. The stormwater infrastructure, a lack of infrastructure, deficient infrastructure for stormwater, uh, really resulted in in uh, a catastrophe that made the news.
1: You know, one of the the, the big ones is uh, Hurricane Harvey. Um, you know, that one was one down in um, in Texas, in Houston, mm-hmm. and it, it's one of the ones where it's, it's so it wasn't so much of a um, a coastal flooding issue. It was when the the hurricane kind of came inland and then just dropped, you know, tens of inches of rain um, on on Houston over the span of, of several days. And, and Houston's stormwater systems just were not, as any system, I mean, would not be up to to that sort of challenge being thrown at it from from Mother Nature.
0: Yeah, that, that was a, an extremely unusual amount of rain for that area.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they, and, and you know, that's when, we're, you know, they had um, you know, more than 100 people died, you know, $125 billion in, in damage from just, you know, torrential rain that, um, you know, I think it was what, over like four days, it was 40 inches of rain. Uh, so, so just an unbelievable amount of rain, but it really brought this whole concept of, of urban flooding to the forefront because it happened in a major metropolitan area like Houston.
0: And you talk about the amount of damage um, and the the money that goes into repairing that damage. Yet if, if there was a, more of an investment up front, much of that damage could be prevented.
1: Absolutely. And that really gets to what we t- want to talk about with our report card is that um, you know, we, we want to bring this these infrastructure needs to the to the forefront so that we are building things better from the beginning and investing now rather than what ends up happening is the longer we wait uh, these these prices and um, costs just increase and so we end up paying a lot more later uh, than we would now
0: and and speaking of that and bringing up our our grade how much funding is needed to bring up the grade and and is reaching an A grade, an A plus, actually realistic? Uh, it being the amount of funding that it would take, and what does what does that mean? Does that mean that like most of the, these catastrophes will be avoided?
1: Well, I, so what we look at is we look to bring our grade to a B. So right right now we're at a, a C minus, which is uh, um, a low mediocre grade that requires attention. Uh, and we like to bring it up to a B, which is, um, you know, good, in, in quotes, I mean, it's good or adequate for now. Um, and, and so we look at what is what's required and we do it over a 10 year period. Uh, and what we've calculated is that over the next 10 years, the gap, so the difference between what we're spending on infrastructure and what we need to spend on infrastructure is approximately 2.59 trillion dollars or about 260 billion dollars a year is our shortfall and that's for all that's for all categories of infrastructure that is a lot of bread and
0: (laughs) and, and 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 to think too we're not even trying to get the bumper sticker that says you know uh, our country is the A student uh, at the infrastructure report card school, right? I mean, we're just we're just trying to get to a B. So, so an A is not really realistic um, historically. That we've we've been kind of stuck at a D. We've barely pushed pushed into the C minus range. So, getting an A is just it's it's just really kind of a pipe dream. Would you say?
1: Well, it's yeah. I'm not sure I would, I would call it a, a pipe dream, but you know, I think what we're more focused on is um, you know realizing what that what that shortfall is now, and uh, working with our elected officials to try to do things like what's currently happening in Washington right now, which is you know a a bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill to really boost investment in our infrastructure and slowly move the needle because um, that, that, that needle's got a long way to go and it's gonna take a lot to get there. Uh, but I think if we can gradually start you know, pushing that needle um, up from the, we've pushed it up from the D and into the C range um, and continually push it. And it's not gonna happen uh, you know, over the next four years before the next report card. Um, this is something that takes a lot of long-term willpower uh, because these infrastructure projects take a long time to, to plan and implement. So in order to, to get us there, we got, we've got to start slowly moving the needle now. Um, and that's what we're really focused on.
0: Yeah, let's dig in for a quick second into the, to the bill. We've got the new administration in, they're pushing for infrastructure spending. Uh, to your knowledge, was, was there a major bill that, uh, that the Trump administration was able to, to get through the uprights or what happened there?
1: No, they, you know, they, it seemed like every other week was, was infrastructure week, but there was really nothing uh, that substantively came out of it that um, moved the needle as, as far as infrastructure investment. Um, and a lot of what happens and what ha- has happened over the last four years, and the reason why we've been able to improve the grade is so much of the funding has come from uh, local and state sources uh, and not the federal government. So it's, it's been at least, or this sort of, investment has not happened in the last four years. And so we're very excited to see a, a bipartisan movement in, in infrastructure funding, uh, even in the first six months of the Biden term.
0: Now, where, where did the Biden bill start? Where is it now?
1: So I think it, it originally started at closer to um, $2 trillion, I believe. Um, and it's now um, there's, Right now, it is um, at approximately, I think, you know, nine hundred seventy-three billion, which includes, you know, what, what we're really focused on is, you know, almost five hundred fifty billion in new spending on, on infrastructure, including roads, bridges, water, broadband, uh, uh, things like that.
0: Um. So the two trillion that was initially proposed was still still short. Uh, of the 2.5 now. Now you mentioned that that was over 10 years though. What, what is, what is the spending outlook for this current bill?
1: Um, I believe that it's um, over five years, um, which it could, could be continued to over eight years. So, um, you know, we're looking at probably uh, significantly less than, than uh, half or a third of, of what we actually need um, for our infrastructure, um, in fact, when you look at it, for the $550 billion over um, five years, yeah, we're um, certainly short of what we need to get us um, up to that, that B grade. But, again, we're, we're happy to see this first step towards moving that needle.
0: It, it, it's really hard to imagine anyone that would be against funding an infrastructure bill. Now, I know a lot of these the bills are often tied in with other um social aspects or or um other things and it sounds like that's where at least the republicans are saying hey you know let's cut cut this stuff out and just push to, push together an effort infra- just push an infrastructure bill out pretty much alone are you are you hopeful right now that that that, that we'll be able to you know people the are Government will be able to come together and, and reach a, a bipartisan agreement. Is is the outlook good? And and what is the ASCE's involvement and in lobbying for that?
1: Well, the, the lobbying occurs in, in in an area that I, I'm not um, very in, involved in, um, but I know this is something that uh, we are very strongly support. And you know, certainly, any sort of bipartisan infrastructure investment uh, just makes an awful lot of sense. I mean. It, it, like you said, infrastructure is something that we can all um, get behind because we know it, it helps not just um, the, uh, you know, employ the people that are building it. Um, it's a huge boost to our, uh, not only our national economy but our, our economic, economic competitiveness uh, globally, right? We need good infrastructure in this country in order to compete globally with other countries like China and Brazil that are, out investing us in in infrastructure um and you know something that if if we don't do this um you know we risk over over the next you know period of time losing you know 10 trillion dollars in economic growth if we don't invest in our infrastructure
0: wow um yeah and that makes uh that makes a, a you know $2 $2 trillion investments seem pretty small uh, if, Absol- we're, going, if we're going to save eight. We're, we're back to kind of, uh, you know, avoiding the catastrophe if we invest now um, right back to that scenario, even though it's more of an economic catastrophe more than maybe one that's impacting, um, you know, a, a specific community or something like that.
1: Right. Um, and and every, you know, every year, the, you know, American families are paying, you know, $3,300 in, you know, costs uh, due to poor infrastructure, whether that's, you know, water outages or uh, traffic delays or damage to their vehicles. Um, you know, it's something that we as every family is, is paying this. It's, it's like a hidden tax that we pay um, every year due to poor infrastructure. And um, we can either choose to continue to pay that um, or to uh, start investing now and, and actually, you know, investing less than that and getting ourselves up to a, a, an acceptable level of infrastructure, where that's no longer an issue.
0: That would be uh, that would be amazing if we could get that. done. Yes. I, I <laughs> yes. could certainly think of better things to to spend thirty uh, three hundred dollars on for sure. Yes. Um, one other thing that I'd like to touch on before I let you go is uh, it, if you're able to answer this, I know that Biden was, you know. And and the Democrats are really pushing for the green, the new Green Deal, focused a, a focused a lot on renewable energy resources. Um, are you is is the ASCE anticipating a a huge investment in that energy sector? And are you familiar with the grade for the energy sector now and what what it might look like uh, in the future? Should should uh, should a, a, a lot of funding be dedicated to that over the next four years or, or even more?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so energy, that is one of the grades that's uh, increased. Um, that is, has increased from a D plus back in 2017 to a, a C minus um, this, uh, for this report card. Um, and, you know, and, and it is due largely to investment that has already started to occur. Um, we've increased our investment in transmission lines. Uh, we've increased our investment in, uh, you know, that's that, those are the lines that take the power from, you know, the power plants to, you know, the various substations. Um, and then we've also increased our investment in distribution systems, which is what takes it really that last mile from the uh, the substations to, um, you know, into the local neighborhoods uh, and into people's homes. That that spending is up 54% over the the last two decades. And really what that's setting us up for is this transfer from the centralized uh, generation of power at power plants to more of a distributed generation of power at wind, uh, solar, um, or other more green type uh, uh, energy generation facilities. Um, because we need a lot of this, if, if we're going to d- develop this energy all across our country at these distributed areas, we're either going to need a lot of extension cords or a lot of new transmission lines to get that that power from where it's generated into people's homes.
0: I know there's been a lot of private investment in uh, energy as well, whether it's residential solar or even larger solar farms or wind farms. Um where it's actually pr- private investors coming together and saying, we can make money off of energy. Um, so that seems to be a, 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 I would imagine there's a good bit of funding uh, coming from out, outside of the public um, public utilities and yeah, uh, it, public funding.
1: Yeah, here in the state of Illinois, there as part of our energy plan, there's a huge push to um, move towards uh, renewable energy, and you know that investment is, is being driven by uh, incentives from our state uh, in order to to meet some of these goals. That's great. Yeah.
0: Um, Darren, I would uh, I'd like to ask you one other question, and I'll let you go. I really appreciate your time and being part of this project. Um, in in speaking to uh, students or um, People entering the construction industry, um, why should they get involved about the uh, with the ASCE and and what's the easiest way to do it?
1: Well, I think that I'll answer the second part um, first. Uh, so, getting involved with with ASCE can be as simple as um, going to www.asce.org, uh, which is our Our page, there are currently, we have um, 150,000 members um, over 177 countries. Uh, We're actually the oldest uh, national engineering society. We were founded in in 1852. So we've been around a lot longer than I've been involved in in AFCE. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's, there's all sorts of uh, different aspects of uh, engineering that uh, you can learn about and uh, get involved with. Um, and I think that it's, you know, this, it's advancing, ASCE is, is advancing the, the engineering profession. And I think that when we look at um, ourselves as the stewards of our, our natural and built environment, you know, I, I can't really imagine a, a better cause or a, a better organization to, to become involved with because we're, we're, every single person in our country is touched by infrastructure. Um, whether it's, you know, the, once we turn on the faucet in the morning and rely on that clean water to come out uh, so we can brush our teeth or, you know, being able to, to flush the toilet and know that water is um, being treated in a way that's uh, environmentally uh, sound um, or driving to work every day and, you know, going on the roads and, and bridges throughout our country that most of us drive over bridges every single day and have no Idea: the amount of work that's required to to design, operate, and um, maintain those bridges. Um, so infrastructure touches us all, and being involved in an organization that uh, advocates for infrastructure spending for for both public safety, uh, for economic growth, uh, for you know, international competitiveness um, is is just a really rewarding experience.
0: Fantastic. Well again, really appreciate you being part of this project. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah. Have a great day.
1: It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Taylor. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Darren. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you found this episode of Digging Interesting. I will ask just one thing of you. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts and guests. To connect with us, please email me at taylorm at hcrc.us. We want to thank everyone who contributes to the making of Digging, including Lucas West on sound design, Josh Roberts for the Kickass music, and our clients for making it possible for us to fund this idea and make it a reality. And one last plug in need of exceptional talent capture in the heavy civil construction industry or consultation regarding the future of your career in the industry, please visit www.hcrc.us or contact us at 828-515-4272. Thank you and we'll see you soon for the next episode of Digging.